Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today on An Actor Despairs, we have legendary actor Peter Scanavino. He's one of the icons on Law & Order SVU, but you know him from other films like The Cold Lands and Mutual Friends. He's had such an awesome journey in his actor, and he was even a cook at one point. He is so open about what it takes to stay in the business and the persistence. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. Here it is. Peter Scanavino, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How you doing, brother? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know, I first discovered you in that film, Mutual Friends, and then obviously, <laughs> you know, the most iconic New York show of all time, I know, right? SVU. I know. You're on like over 100 episodes now, right? God, I think I'm like 140 or something. Oh, um, man. What a ride. Yeah. Man. How's that feel? It's... It's f***ing nuts. Yeah. I mean, to be honest. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I never in my... My wildest, you know, imaginations of myself would I envision that I'd be doing like this, this kind of part on this kind of this yeah. kind of show. You know what I mean? I never. If you would have said like you'll be playing a detective, yeah, somewhere. I'd be like, no way, man, no way. <laughs> you know, that's the beauty of Hollywood, though. You never know how you, you know it's going to work out and what your image and your life kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. That's kind of the cool, you know, part part about it. it just th- throws you a lot of curveballs. You, you don't know yourself as well as you think you do sometimes. Yeah, and totally. Course, you know? and, and, that, and it can be a, a very hard but rewarding thing getting to to know yourself through that. Yeah. Kind of, De- it's definitely. The most self-aware people are actors. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah. I, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like, it's so weird to be an actor because whenever you're like experiencing something in real life, you know, like, so when you're doing a scene or whatever. Yeah. And you kind of step out and you start watching the scene, which is bad. You know, you get in your head. But there's a version of that that happens in real life when you're like experiencing something. I remember having this breakup with this girl and we were like crying and like just pounding on the table. But there was like the actor part of me was like watching the you're, real you're, me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like I was still, you know, like I totally know what you mean. And you're like, is this is this real? Yeah. Am I generating this? Am I pushing right now? But yeah. like in, in, in real life, it's so strange. You know, you're so hyper aware of. Ugh, uh, garbage. <laughs> well, to uh, start on the brighter side, man, let's let's take it from the beginning. You grew up in Denver, right? I grew up in um, Evergreen, Evergreen, which is uh, a little. Um, it's much bigger now, but when I when I grew up there, it was smaller. But it's a little kind of mountain town. It's like forty forty five minutes outside of Denver. Is that the one they based South Park on? Or? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, so South Park. I think it was Trey Park. He went to Evergreen High School. Yeah, but South Park is an actual town. But I think it's like it's kind of based on. There was always the, the kind of lore like, oh, you know, Cartman is based off of this guy Eve. Who oh, was really? like, yeah, you know, <laughs> all the townies. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the townies, like yeah. who's who. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's definitely in the same ballpark. What, what was it like growing up there? I mean, it was it was cool because first of all, it was it was in the mountains. Like I had elk going through my backyard every day, and yeah. so when you kind of grow up like that, you're totally desensitized to it so we spent a lot of time outside a lot of time in the woods very little uh parental supervision um you know we had a good crew of friends i have an older brother oh cool and we would just kind of like run around and just get into trouble and and did you fall into like snowboard skiing scene well i mean snowboarding was still kind of on the, the <laughs> when I was a kid, it was like he's a snowboarder. Yeah. It was like, Whoa, yeah. man. you know. Um, but everybody skied. You know, that's what you would do. And I kind of, you know, I I didn't like skiing too much because I always got my brother's hand me down stuff, and it was always too small. My feet uh. were always cold, so it was kind of um, 
No, it was all right though. But um, were, were your parents artists at all? Or? No, no. My um, my my mom was a nurse, and my my dad was a doctor. Um, wow. And uh, you know, but they always had a, a great, I think, respect for for artists. And my brother was an artist. I was never an actor. Wow. When I was a kid or anything, but my brother was always kind of this. What did he do? He's um. He's a sculptor now, but back then, you know, he had a lot of great facility for rendering and drawing and, wow. and painting. And he was kind of a, I guess you could say he was a bit of a, like a art superstar in, in, in Denver. He would take our classes down there. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, so they always really liked that and, and, and respected it. And, uh, you know, so. And even though your I, parents supportive of that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Absolutely. That's I mean, amazing. I, yeah. I think, I think they kind of, my dad was from a really small, um, farming town in, in southern Illinois. Wow. And I think he always kind of found that my brother was this artistic guy, very kind of exotic yeah. and, and cool. It was like a kid that he didn't grow up around and he didn't know. And so it was, it was really cool. And, uh, he, he always told me this, this story that my, my great grandfather told him, which was, he took him aside when my dad was a kid and was like, you know, I've, I've worked in the coal mines my whole life. He came over from, from Italy when he was 14 and he worked in the coal mines his whole life. And he said, yeah. I worked like, I worked in the coal mines so that your father could be a teacher and he's going to work so that you could be a lawyer or a doctor. Yeah. My dad became a doctor and he said, you're going to work so that your children can be artists. So that's beautiful. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So even this, this kid who came over from Italy by himself, worked in the coal mines, had no education. That he still had the idea that kind of the epitome of, of what you could achieve as a family would to be would be to have children that were artists yeah. or to be an artist. Like yeah. there was a respect for that. So I think my dad really took a lot of that in. I don't think there was much of an option for him when he was growing up, but I think he really liked uh in, in his his kids. And I again, I was not that kid yeah. growing up, but my brother was. Were, and, uh, were you and your brother like going to the movies or what, what were the earlier like entertainment parts of your childhood? Yeah. You know, I l- always loved going to the movies. Um, like at what point do you feel like the bug kind of bit you? God, <laughs> I don't even know if I want <laughs> to <laughs> tell this story, but all right. Um, it's going to sound so, so cheesy and, no, man. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I guess when I was in high school, I was kind of, I was like a punk rocker and I could see that. I wasn't, you know, I didn't know what I was interested in and I wasn't like, this is my thing. I didn't really have, I just liked, you know, the whole punk thing. But in terms of school, I wasn't super focused and, uh, I can't believe I'm about to tell this story. <laughs> if you don't, if gonna, you don't like it, we can is, cut it out. No, no, this is about to take like all credibility of, of me as a serious actor. <laughs> oh, <this is laughs> throw it out the window. All right. So anyway, he, here's what happened. <laughs> I saw the movie Titanic. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm like 17. I saw it a hundred times. When I was and yeah, <laughs> I totally like fall in love with Kate Winslet. Oh yeah, I saw that movie like eight times in the theaters. Oh yeah. In the theater. Me it's too. It's like a three-hour movie, right? <laughs> so I remember just being like, how am I going to meet Kate Winslet? <laughs> <laughs> like, I got I to gotta become an actor. Yeah. So that kind of coincided with this Shakespeare competition at my high school. And uh, I was like, all right, well, this is as good of a place 
as any to like see what this is like or what it's all about. Because up until that point, I th- I think I was a senior in high school. I'd never done a play. I I'd never done anything wow. acting related. So then I did um this this monologue in the competition, and just the act of of doing that kind of made me feel like oh there's. Because up until then, I I'd always just thought it was like, oh, you memorize lines and you know you pull faces or whatever. Like yeah. I had no idea what it was even really about. Wait, was it a classical piece? Or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It was. It was I did a piece from Hamlet, and okay. just kind of in the doing of it, and you know, I would have these like, oh, I kind of feel like that now, or you know what I mean? It was just like, oh, I kind of realized there was a lot more. It humanized. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of so, just getting a sense of what that was about and how that was kind of really interesting, and the the idea that. You could have this kind of imaginative life. I just found that um, it it kind of opened up the door Whoa. for me, and I wouldn't say that I necessarily had the the bug at that point, but it opened up the door, and then I kind of had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. Um, Did you start dialing into your high school drama program? Yeah. Or? So in my last semester, I took I took a class, and uh, I mean that might have put me off. Of it a little bit because it was very high school drama. Yeah, like, I know how that can go. I remember just kind of looking around, being like, "Oh my god, with what these, is this? <laughs> these kids." Yeah, um, you know. So, so then when I I got to um, I got to college. I don't know. I feel like I might be going off on a no, 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 not at all. Story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where, then, where where did you go? I went to Boston University. Okay, but just for one year because what happened was I. Uh, I, I got to college and then I was really just kind of like, ah, oh, man, I'm not happy. Like, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about acting and at this time I kind of started reading about, um, Marlon Brando and I remember I read this, this, it was like a thousand page biography by Peter Manso on Marlon Brando and Brando's autobiography songs my mother taught me and, um, I just found that stuff really interesting and that kind of leads you into like uh, actor studio and the group theater and all that stuff. So I was like, wow, this is so interesting. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, I, I wonder if I, I could maybe do that. Yeah. And then um, I went, I would go visit my brother. My brother was going to uh, Rhode Island School of Design, which was okay. just an hour yeah, away. Totally. So I would go visit him and like, I'd go there and hang out and I'd see all these kids that were kind of pursuing their passion in, in, in these artists. And I was like, oh, I kind of feel like I'm more, yeah, more like, more like this than, um, what I was doing at the time. So I was kind of like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to become an acting major. I'm going to switch. So, um, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So I auditioned for, to switch majors to the, uh, acting department. At this point, my grades were not very good. Um, but I auditioned anyway and they said no. I was like, Oh God, what am I going to do now? Yeah. now I'm kind of stuck. Uh, huh. And I was also listening to a lot of Bob Dylan. <laughs> Love Bob so I was Dylan. like, you know what? <laughs> like, I would listen to Three Wheeling like every night before I went to bed, wow. and it was just kind of very like this hopeful yeah. almost. And you know, I knew he'd come to New York, so and then you know the Brando thing, they playing the New York. James Dean had come to New yeah. York. This whole idea, this kind of romantic notion, of course. go there and just make. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. And I dropped out of school and I just moved to New York and wow. was like, I'm going to be an actor. And I remember I made that decision, like I'm going to be an actor. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then I got there and I started uh, taking classes at the Lee Strasberg 
Theater Institute. Oh, that's where I went as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Would you have Jeffrey Horn? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey's my guy. Jeffrey Horn. Shout yeah. out Jeffrey Horn. Yeah. 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 Uh, I did that. And then when I got there, I really just started getting really into it and seeing how far I could take it and um, just like – You identified with the technique. I mean uh, the Strasbourg technique for me, I'd, I saw some amazing dramatic pieces there. I'm sure. 100%. I also saw some dramatic pieces where I'd be like, this is so like dramatic. Yeah. Like, what is this? And they'd be like, you know, it's the this, is, this is Neil Simon. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. like a lot of comedic pieces. <laughs> <They were> like, <laughs> people have an this emotional breakdown. Yeah. Like, I don't think you need to do an effective memory for that. Yeah. But so for me, that was great, but it really got me to take it very seriously and take myself extremely seriously. Yeah. As an actor, you which did I think is conservatory program. Uh, no, no, I just did the. Um, I, I mean, I guess, guess it was like a full time program, but it was like movement and all that stuff. But it wasn't part of NYU. You know, they. Had, you no, know like, I mean, like, was it two years you were there? No, or? I, I was there. For, I think I was there for maybe a year, a year and a half. And okay. Then I went and did a two year program at, with Maggie Flanagan. Oh yeah, Maggie, which is Ma- Meisner program. Yeah. And that that for me personally was kind of much more. That's my I like Meisner more. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. So I kind of like the, you know, as opposed to you have to draw everything from your personal history, being able to, to key into the actor's imagination seemed a lot, um, just more, a lot more potential there for yeah. me, you know? That's awesome. And then when you went on to Maggie Flanagan, were you, what were you doing in this meantime? Were you waiting tables? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So waiting tables and did a lot of promotional work, you know, like, <laughs> The annoying people that try to give you free samples or oh. – So I did that and yeah. then I waited tables at, at B-Bar on – um On Bowery? Yeah, 4th no, and Bowery. No way. 4th and – it was the 3rd and Bowery. 4th – one of those. Yeah. But yeah, I waited tables there forever. I mean I was – I worked there for four or five years. Is it true that you went to culinary school? Yeah, that's <laughs> – <laughs> that was later in life. That was That was – God, I think I went to culinary school when I was 30. That's when I was like – So I'm- break it down. You graduate from Flanagan and then let's get to between there to culinary school. What happened after after you did Maggie? Were you auditioning? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. So um, after Maggie, I was – you know, like I was saying, I I think it, at, when you're especially a young actor, you have to take yourself very, very seriously and yeah. be extremely precious about stuff because you kind of get – and you can lose a little bit of that – as you get get older, in fact, if you hang on to that, it becomes kind of annoying. Totally, you know, when you get more comfortable on your feet. But you need to kind of find like yourself as as an artist, and that was just for me at least a, a good way of of um, kind of thinking about it. So then I just you know wanted to to work. So you kind of went from I went from Maggie, finished Maggie, and then it was just straight into um, trying to get whatever audition yeah I could back backstage and- backstage yeah. Doing, I would do those open calls, you know. Oh, the EPAs. No, I was an equity, so like, yeah. I mean, I would go to EPAs sometimes because yeah. there was like the thing, like once they get through all the equity actors, you have a one percent chance. You waited yeah. there all day because yeah. you know the thing was like you never know. You yeah, know, you have your monologues, you're ready to go. Totally. And, you know, so just doing like the backstage, all that stuff, which, um, and then also doing certain things with my. Some friends of mine from acting school that I had kept, you know, always trying to get that going. Passion project style. Yeah, you know, yeah. you try to, you know, trying to start your own theater group, which yeah. is extremely complicated. Of course. Um, you In know a I mean? city saturated with great theater. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and just like, because 
you so like you want to start it, but then you're like, well, what are we actually going to say? Yeah. Like, what's the point of us having a theater group? What makes us different than anybody else? And then you, because, because we just want to have work that we can do. You <laughs> know what I mean? It's like, but, um, so yeah, just auditioning and auditioning. And then going back to that self-awareness thing that we spoke about earlier at this time, like, how were you positioning yourself as an actor? Were there certain kind of things you were going in for? Like, I mean, literally it was like, Everything. Yeah. I was not discerning at all. It was – if it seemed like it was somewhere, anywhere in, in my age range, range yeah. I was submitting myself. I was doing it. And, you know, like I think the first thing I got from backstage was this – it was like the leader of a satanic cult and – <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, <laughs> and I had like, I literally had a line that was like, don't test the power of Satan. Oh my God. And, but it's like, at that age, you can't comment on that stuff. No, you Cause know? it's like, you just gotta bring your best to that. You know yeah, what I mean? That's what I say all the time in this podcast is like, nobody is like, here, Peter, here's a clockwork orange. It's like, no, here's a not great script, yeah. but you have to bring truth to here, it. I mean, yeah. for the most part, like when you're starting out, unless you're very lucky, you're going to be getting handed pieces of Yeah. And you're going to have to work your ass off to get that piece of Totally. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and fake that smile like you love it. Yeah. yeah. You know? But, but it's it's the whole thing. Like, you know, there's no small parts or small actors or yeah. whatever. Like, you can – I've seen it so many times. Yeah. You can take a piece of and make it great. Yeah. And even if the whole thing, you can still be great in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, of course. So I've done a million of those. Yeah, right <laughs> yeah. You gotta do it, and you can't yeah. like judge it. And I'll tell you what: like every kid that I came up with that thought they were too good for that stuff, not a single one of those kids is still working. Love that. No way. Yeah. You know, so you would do it. Like, so I just started doing that, and yeah. then like, just do that, and you just keep doing it, and eventually something kind of hits. And for me, the thing that kind of changed everything for me was um a, a submission to the Cherry Lane Theater for the uh mentor project. So they wow. would get like playwrights like um Michael Weller and Marsha Norman was yeah. one and they would kind of take young playwrights and mentor them through basically a workshop production. So I got called in from that. And I auditioned for this play called Urgent Fury. I got the play did the play, had a very small part, which actually starred Haley Pfeiffer, if you know her, the playwright yeah, yeah. and actor. Um, so I had a very small part in it. I did that, but that kind of got me in to the cherry lane. So then the next year, so then it was back to hustling again. Wow. Like nothing really came of that. Yeah. Back to hustling. And then the next year, um, the Metro Project came up again, and there was an, another play called Double Sophia, which Michael Weller was mentoring, and they just put me in it. Wow. With this really great part. Amazing. Great part. And I did the part. And in that play, it's so funny how it happens. In that play was Catherine Grody, who's the wife of Manny Patinkin and has done a ton of stuff at the yeah. public. And she kind of took a shine to me and was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get some people down here to see you in this play. Wow. Because it's a workshop at the Cherry Lane. Yeah, it wasn't like a hot cool yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Um, and she did, and she brought in Nancy Nancy Piccioni, no who's casting Ma- Manhattan Theater Workshop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Nancy saw me, called me into this for this play, Reckless, um, 
that they were redoing on 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 Broadway, and I I got like four auditions in for that. I didn't get it, wow. but I did like four. Yeah. I got three callbacks, and that must have felt great, you yeah, know? You yeah, know? and yeah. it was like, you know, that was that was amazing, and that was enough to kind of open a door to an agent, and then so it all kind of stems from her bringing this person down. But it was also like I was always trying to work, always trying to put myself in a position. Yeah. You weren't above anything. You just no. wanted to work. No. Yeah. And here's also the other thing. When you've done like crap, when you get something good, you're just like chomping at the bit. Like yeah. you attack it like totally. a piece of meat. You know what I mean? So, you know, I would have had it work out any other way. And I'm really glad that I spent that time doing the hustling that most actors have to do. And like, you know, sometimes I see, you know, an actor that gets huge at, at 20 or 21 yeah. and you know, that's fantastic, but there's also a lot to learn. You gain a lot yeah. by struggling and also questioning yourself. Do I have talent? Yeah. Is this what I'm going to do? You know what I mean? But it's strange. I was just thinking about this the other day, like all of, all of my friends that I considered serious actors and not to say that they were, amazingly talented yeah but serious and we're, we're into the craft of acting and i don't mean serious as pretentious i just mean no took themselves yeah. and what they had chosen to do and were honoring like that. athletic in the sense that they yeah. were yeah you know and um all of those kids some of them are doing extremely well and some of them have found another way into the business but yeah. they're all still around still doing it you know and it was it was the ones that were it's about networking and da da da. Like, though, none of those ones Mate. suck around. Yeah. They're all, I don't know where they are. Yeah. They dropped out. Yeah. Because it's not what it's about. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not about the, the, the superficial things. And I think if you get lost in that, then this, you know, can become something so dark and evil. And yeah, but it's kind of weird, right? Because acting, whether you like it or not, Part of being successful is getting notoriety because that's how you become successful as yeah. an actor. You start being in things and people – you know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of people that maybe they want to be famous yeah, and they see being an actor as the quickest the route vehicle. to doing that. But you know, then there's a lot of other people that want to be actors and being famous becomes a byproduct and yeah. I think if you're the latter – then that you know those those people tend to tend to stick around. Do you know what I mean? At some point, at some point, it happens. It, it, and you had a a guest star on SVU as a different character, yeah, right? Totally. Yeah. So what was that like? You know, kind of like. Well, I mean, at that time, it was kind <laughs> of. Uh, that was um, that was great. I remember that was actually uh, that was an offer. Which wow, which that must have felt amazing. You know, when you do, when you do like a lot of before SVU, I it just bounced around and did a ton of audition episodic stuff. You know, yeah. oh god, so many auditions. If you if people knew how much rejection there is, yeah. If you're like you know, you just have to become so immune to it. I know I'm in the trenches now, and it's so hard to you know. It's just oh, like God, yeah. You know so, what's so interesting is now that I'm I'm on kind of the other side where I can kind of. Not that I'm, I'm – I don't cast anything, yeah. but like, you know, I'm a regular on this show and I can see, you know, sometimes why decisions are made for certain actors. I mean, a lot of times it can be like so completely arbitrary. Like yeah. you realize that like how good you are is just one element yeah. of a multifaceted thing. Yeah. And there's so many people that have to sign off and one person could just be see like, of it all. oh, you remind yeah. me of my, my ex. Yeah. And, uh, and then somebody like, okay, you know, 
it, it's it, it's interesting, and that's kind of like you know when you and, used to take it to heart, like oh god, we're terrible, whatever. Like a lot of times, it's it's not that. And who were you turning to for support in these early days before you had this, you know, series regular? Who was keeping you like, you know, Peter, you got to keep at it? Was um, it was it that woman who, who who mentored you and took you under? Was it? Your- I mean, honestly, Catherine and I, we after that play ended, like we never really spoke spoke wow. again. You know, so <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that relationship. Yeah, it was. You know, and I'm always I'm so grateful for it because a lot of people say they're gonna going to do things there's a lot of talk in this business yeah a lot of it's bs but she fully like changed the course of my my life yeah. and i've i've been lucky because there's that's happened a few times um for me yeah um but like i never really had that person that was you know i had like one um he was kind of like a friend. He was a teacher. He used to be in the lab, labyrinth theater company. This guy, Scott Hudson. Okay. Um, he was kind of very encouraging, but even stuff like you, we talked about Strasburg. Yeah. Jeffrey Horn, you know, I remember going out to lunch with him and he, you know, he gave me very encouraging words, you know, about pursuing being an actor. And, you know, he was complimentary of, of, yeah. of me and, and, you know, I would I would think about that. Yeah. I would go back to that conversation when I was in the dumps and like to keep going. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? And like you'd go fly out and test for something, and then it would be like literally five minutes after you walk out the room and get a call, it's not working. You're yeah, like, what did I do? And that's the thing you don't get feedback about why you don't get it. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but that so it's a a bit of that, but then also you gotta kind of believe that that you have something to to offer and i was it was weird because even though i felt that for a long time i wasn't getting that kind of series regular job you know were you going of, in for more, more guest stars or reoccurring yeah, yeah. guest stars or yeah. you or you go in for yeah. like the job and it would be like okay thank you and then just nothing never yeah. never i mean i would audition for big stuff but it never went yeah anywhere yeah you know what i mean like i te- i think Whatever. I, I'd only like tested for a series regular like three times wow. in ten years. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're kind of like, oh, I don't know. But while that was happening, the um, I was always very supported by casting directors because I was always brought in. So I was auditioning a ton. So the fact that they like liked me and kept bringing me in yeah. was also kind of a vote of confidence for me. Yeah. Um, you had allies. Yeah, I had, felt like I had allies. Also, my my uh, manager Donna. To Stefano, you even yeah, talking yeah. with her. Uh, I love her. Great. Yeah, she's great. Like, yeah. The most loyal person. You were with her from that from those early days? I was with her from the early days. So wow. I've been with her forever. Like before she had like – you know what I mean? She was starting out. I was starting out and we just had this relationship ever ever since. And you know, she's always had so much faith in me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I think too much. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so she's my ride or die. Shout out Donna. Yeah, shout yeah. out Donna. Um, you know, but so I was kind of taken care of in, in that way. So it was kind of strange because I felt like, oh, I wish I was booking more and I was always booking like these things or these indie movies and this thing, but yeah. I was like, I want like the the, the fulfilling the, part. The fulfilling, yeah. I mean, not even the fulfilling part. Like I felt like there were fulfilling part. Like again, yeah. every part's a fulfilling part. Of course, of course. Be. Yeah. But like kind of the thing that you know, you need like a foothold to kind of get you 
kind of to the next yeah. level in, in, in a, in a way. And for me, that turned out to be SVU, which yeah. was, you know, because of the, the showrunner. Yeah. Talk to, Light. How, how did this happen? So you know, this is, this is a really cool story. This is a cool story for all aspiring. Yeah. Actors. Yeah. I'm so excited. All right. So here we go. I, when I first got my agent, the one I told you about, yeah, I'm, I'm not with them now, but I started booking like a lot of stuff and I was doing like a ton of theater and like it was going super well. And I, I did, I booked, um, um, a criminal intent. Oh yeah. Law and order criminal intent episode called diamond dogs. And it was like a great part. And Warren knew me from that because wow. he was the showrunner of criminal intent. Yeah. And we never spoke. I mean, we may have, but I, I only knew him from his work because Sideman was one of one of the first plays that I had seen in New York when yeah. I arrived. But like, we weren't we weren't like buddies. We didn't have substantive conversations back then. Yeah. But he liked me. Yeah, and that was enough. So fast forward ten years later, I'm sitting here. I just had a, a kid, and I, I remember just kind of being like. Okay, I gotta get like, gotta get something more going here. Like, yeah. I, this is cool, and I get to spend a lot of time with my kid. But like, I gotta get something. And the phone rings, and it's basically, do you want to come do three episodes of Law and Order SVU, maybe more? Wow, maybe more. And I'm like, yeah, three. It was, it, it was three. an offer. Yeah, you know, <laughs> wow. three episodes. I got an arc. Yeah, man. of course, like, dude. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. My career six figures this year. Right. So. <laughs> I, I, you know, I do the three episodes. After my first day, they say, how about like five episodes after my first day? Yeah. And then by the end of my first episode, they bumped it to like 12. And then by the fourth episode or whatever, they, they were going to make me a series regular. Wow. So it happened very quickly. And, uh, that was all Warren. Wow. Who, Liked me as an actor and had always wanted to write a part for me. I had no idea any of this was going on. Yeah, of course. Right? Not. Yeah. Like Warren and I aren't emailing and text. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is all happening without me knowing. Yeah. So 10 years after the fact, he creates this character and brings it on as a recurring with the intention that like I'll just come in the back door, do a few oh. episodes, and then it'll be like, yeah, everybody likes him. Let's make him a regular. And yeah. that's that's how it happened. It was that simple. And it's Warren just liking me. <laughs> And did when you came in, did you build rapport with like everyone? You know, you have a company of actors that are yeah. always on that Marissa and right. everyone. Did was, was I, I got to correct you, Mariska? M- Mariska, sorry, <laughs> I always get that wrong. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. So, w- I mean, when you came in on set the first day, were you like ah, or did you feel? You know, I mean, at that point, I was kind of. It was interesting because you come on a show like that, yeah, and it's like you're you're going to a new high school, totally. And everybody knows – that's the same – they've had the same crew for a long time. Yeah. So everybody knows each other. Everybody's friends. And you're like, how do I fit into this? And you know, naturally very quiet. But then also at the same time, I'm kind of thinking to myself, three episodes, maybe more, this could be – this could be a huge opportunity. Yeah. Like – so you want to be like casual and relaxed. But internally, you're like – don't fuck this up. Of course. But it's hard to 
act well from a position of don't fuck this up because you yeah. kind of have to be willing to fuck everything yeah, up. You know what course. I mean? So it's yeah. like that, 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 that strange thing, you know? And I come in, you know, I got this like crazy mustache and stuff and. Did he give you like a, a background on Dominic about what he thought about the character? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we'd kind of met and talked about it. And actually, um, at the end of the, the year, I was talking to one of the writers, Kevin Fox, and I was like, how did this character come to be? And he was like, it was always you. Like, you were the actor. And we're, how are we going to bring this guy in? Wow. And we're like, well, Peter's not really the super polished Manhattan, so he's got to be an Outerboro guy. Yeah. Oh, he could be this, kind of like this character. You know what I mean? So they were writing f- to me. And again, I had no idea any of this was going yeah. on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. No idea. Yeah. And then they, they do this thing, and it and it totally changes my life. And I just think it's also one of those cool stories that also ties back to when I did the criminal intent. Like if I would have gone in and been like, whatever, like I don't care about this two scene this. part. I'm a cool yeah. actor. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a good part. It wasn't two scenes. It was, it was the guest lead, but you know, you, you never know who's watching and who remembers you. And oftentimes they don't tell you yeah. how good they think you were. They don't, they don't say anything. Yeah. They just know. And then they remember it. And then when you come up, you know, it's your time. And it's a lesson in staying humble. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. how do you, I'm curious, you know, working on a show that we, we spoke before we started recording that you're shooting for 10 out of 12 months a year. Right. How do you keep that fresh? You know, how do you, how do you always find a new way on Dominic or, you know, like, I, I guess, you know, to be blunt, how do you not get bored of it? How do you always keep something? Yeah, no, no, it's, 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 um, it's a really good question. Um, I think there's actually, there's kind of, the kind of two answers. Yeah. And on our show, clearly Mariska is the star. Yeah. Right? And who the star is sets the tone of the show. And I don't care what show you're in. Yeah. Whoever's number one on the call sheet kind of sets the tone of what kind of behavior is permissible, how you can act, and how you need to take it. So if number one doesn't care, then nobody cares. Yeah. But Mariska, you know, this is the 21st season – still cares about what's being created and is interested in finding new ways to do it. So you can be doing a scene at like four in the morning and it's 20 degrees out in February and you know, you're in hell's kitchen or whatever and drunk people are passing by. You know what I mean? And you know, something will not be right in the taste. Like, let's go again. You know what I mean? And I think that is a way to always keep it fresh that you got to kind of bring your a game. But then Secondly, particularly with the procedural um, drama, I think a lot of times it it, it, it it can be really easy just to kind of go blah, 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 you yeah. know, and I've definitely caught myself falling into that from time to time and you kind of got to slap yourself across the face and be like, look, you know, this is your fucking job. Yeah. You're an actor. Yeah. And your job is to bring like life to this character. So then, you know, you kind of go back into like acting student mode where you like get with your script and you go through it and you give it your actions and you find out where the beats are and you yeah. find like what are like the moments in this scene, which might seem so simple and just whatever, a throwaway scene, yeah. but like where I can like add like something to further illuminate the, the character and you got to keep you know, discovering those, those moments. And that's, that's what keeps it, it interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. To play against the kind of the type or play against how the scene usually goes or, you know what I mean? To find those little 
little things. Of course. And then it kind of becomes like it's like a little bit of a treasure hunt for your character. Yeah. You know I mean, like, oh, oh, what if, it, what if on yeah. this one I can do that and I can show this about him and you know what I mean? So, and it's cool. It's almost like theater in a way too, where, you know, you do so many episodes a year, you can be like, Oh, okay. Next one. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're always like, in it. You're always, yeah. you're always in it. It's always yeah. kind of evolving. And also you get to be with this character that's, you know, this is my sixth season, but it's the character is not the same. Yeah. You know, I, you I know? had Shay Wiggum on the podcast who spoke the same about Boardwalk, you know, like when he d- did Eli, it was, he was about 17 different people yeah. by the time that show's over. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and your character just had a new job promotion. Yeah. Right? yeah. So now it's something totally different. Yeah. And it's, you and know, you're going up against some of your, you know, character friends in the show. Yeah. Which, you know, it's, 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 it's super cool to, to be able to, to do that. And there's a, there's a lot of, um, I mean, there's still a lot of meat on that bone. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it's our job as actors to, to kind of, to, to find it. You know what I mean? Um, How did becoming a father affect you as an actor? I, I mean, for me, God, this is going to sound so morbid, but like, no, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> as an as an actor, um, that like really opened up like a huge because it, it's there is something strange. I feel like few times in your life do you like does something happen and you go, oh, this is a different world yeah. that I couldn't even conceive of before this happened and having kids definitely was one of those moments well and i also think you know not always but actors can tend to be a little selfish and to be a great parent you have to be selfless because it stops becoming about you it's yeah it's them but you know i think there was also this kind of moment actors it's weird especially in theater you do this thing and then it's gone yeah it's this intangible performance it's it's ephemeral it's poof yeah gone yeah. And then what is it? And you're like, what do I have? Like, what, like, where's the object? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And even in a film, that's more the director's, like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, where is the table that I made that I could put something on? And here it is. I can touch it. I can hold it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think also, cause you're dealing in this world of emotions that are, are, you know, hopefully real, but in this kind of fictional world, it's like, what is real here? Yeah. So I always kind of struggled. With a sense of like, what had real meaning? Am I just commenting on this as an act? Like, like what is real in my life? And then when I had a kid, which is also kind of why I, I took a break from acting, was like, I want to go be a cook. So yeah. Like, how I did just, that talk to me about that? How did that happen? Um, or did you, are you always been interested in like, no, I wasn't, but I was just like, I kind of got interested in it. I guess you can tell I'm maybe a bit impulsive. So it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be an actor. You know, quit acting. Did you have any friends that were chefs or? No, I didn't. I but didn't. you obviously had that serving hospitality experience. Well, no, I just, I, th- I th- was like, I started getting into like YouTube videos of this guy, Marco Pierre White. And just like, it was actually just looking in what actually working in the kitchen looks like. It just yeah. looks so fucking grueling. And the work involved in it. I was very attracted to that because sometimes I felt like, you know, it's hard when you're an actor, if you don't have a job. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Because you need somebody to give you the job. Of course. To work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and that, that was kind of difficult. Um, and I always, I kind of saw like some, um, similarities with cooking and, and acting where you like make a dish. Yeah. 
somebody eats it and then it lives as, as an experience in their memory and it's yeah. gone, but there's nothing that they can hold oh, on to. And then you do, do it again. Yeah. It might be slightly different. It's generally going to be the same thing, but little, you know? Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to throw myself in, in, into that. And you um, went to an institute? Yeah. I went to the French Culinary Institute, which I think has a different name now, but wow. in Manhattan. And then I did an internship at Blue Hill, which is Dan Barber's restaurant. Yeah. In the yeah. village. Um, I did that and, you know, I was going to go full, full into it, but, um, were you doing like sous chef, line cook, or well, I was, uh, like garde manger and okay. I was, you know, doing that stuff. So that was like the step. And then you go up to line cook and whatever. What, but, was it fulfilling for you? I mean, it was, that, you know, it was so people, brutal. People, it was so brutal. People don't know about that kitchen world. I mean, that is a, yeah, here's the thing. This is kind of funny. Yeah. Cause my, my acting teacher, Maggie Flanagan, who was incredible and the most amazing teacher. And she would always say, you know, if you can be an actor, if, if you can do anything else yeah. besides being an actor, if you can imagine yourself doing anything else, yeah. then do it because this life is hard. And that's all true. Yeah. I could imagine myself doing some other things, to be honest, yeah. but it's like a night, like that's how you should think about it when you're a young student. But when I went into the kitchen and you're actually there doing the service, Wearing the Crocs, you know? Yeah, and no, yeah. and it's like yeah. completely meritocratic system. Yeah. All that matters is how fast you are, how tough you are. There's no complaining, no whining. Thick, it's just yeah. like, it's work, yeah. work, work, 12 hours straight, like no breaks. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's work, work. And I remember thinking like, ah, that is true of this profession. Yeah. If you could see yourself doing anything besides being a cook – you should do that yeah. because this life is hard. Um, so yeah, I was involved in – I was doing that and I was going to work there and I was kind of engaged at the time um, to my, my now wife, Leisha. Yeah. And uh, you know, I remember Teresa Rebeck oh, yeah. called me and was like, well, you do this reading of seminar – which went on Broadway, because um, I had done the workshop at at Vassar. Yeah. I had done like several readings of it, but then you know I went to this cooking thing. It was like I'm done. I'm not yeah. doing anything. Yeah. She called me. She was like, "Will you please do it, please?" Yeah. And I was like, "Sure." You know what? For you, because you're great. Yeah. And uh, I did the reading, and there I am, and I'm sitting <laughs> next to Alan Rickman. Wow. And we're like. We're doing scenes together. No way. I'm just like, what? Like, why am I walking away from this? Like that reading really kind of made me be like, why am I walking away from this? Yeah. This is like what I want to do. And I do enjoy this. And I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you feel like the trauma from the kitchen made you just like appreciate it so much? No, no, it wasn't that at all. Okay. It wasn't that at all. I think – like you play a lot of head games with yourself yeah. and you know I just felt like I wasn't in a very good headspace and I was very I was kind of getting bitter I was going into auditions and I was just bitter if like a casting director would give me direction I would be like Ugh. you know what I mean I was like I don't want to do this did that thing and then came back into acting and it was like totally different and wow. I viewed it much more like just 
a craftsman in a way. Like, okay, well, here's my take on it. I hope you like it. If you don't, no big deal. Like, yeah. on to the next thing. You know what I mean? And that was kind of coupled with having a kid, getting married, and all this stuff. And life kind of just really sorted itself out. Yeah. So, like I was saying earlier, when I had my my kid and holding my my child in my arms, it was like, this is real. Yeah. This is so real. So like there was no ambiguity about it. It was like – and honestly, for me, you know, you, you take on – you spend so much of your life like shirking like responsibility. But when yeah. I kind of like really took it on and got married and had kids, then like everything kind of like fell into place. And I feel like my my floor for meaning in my life dropped to like a much deeper place. Yeah. And that made me a better actor. And I wasn't like – I wasn't bitter and I wasn't angry yeah. and I was able to kind of view my job. I remember again, my acting teacher, Maggie Flanagan was always kind of equated to an actor to being a plumber, like, which is a very good way to view it. You need to have that kind of artist inside, but if you view it like, yeah, I'm a plumber, I got my pipes and here's my tools and yeah. I'm going to try to fix your problem, which is you need an actor for this part and hopefully I'll do it. Yeah. And if you can view it like that, it's really good because you never don't know your lines. Yeah. You never show up unprepared. You never show up late because a plumber wouldn't do that. A plumber wouldn't show up without his tools. Yeah. You know, a plumber wouldn't show up and be like, well, I don't like the way your pipes go. So uh, unless I can change those, I'm, I'm not out. doing it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The audacity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it just kind of clarified. It was like a lot of things just falling in. Yeah. Very like um, just at the right time. Yeah. And I'm curious, even before you had, you know, the series regular Law and Order, how did you not fall into that LA trap of like, oh, I want to be a movie star? Like, what kept you tethered to New York? One, I did a play at the Mark Taper Forum. <laughs> and I was like, I can't live and drive in this thing. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I just. I just always wanted to be in in New York, you know, yeah. from – I read this book, The Fervin Years. And it was all about the group theater and it was just this magical place to me. And, yeah. You know, I, I don't – I don't know if you're from New York but – It's my 12th year so 12th I feel year, like I might right. as well. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. like I where I grew up, to me, New York seemed like this other world and honestly, like I never once thought about – going to Los Angeles when I was making the decision. Wow. It never even crossed my mind because I said, I want to come to New York and I want to do theater. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I want to come to New York and I want to do theater because I thought the the coolest stories about Marlon Brando were him doing streetcar. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Of to course. me, that was like the shit. And then like if you could somehow make a living doing that, yeah, it was like this amazing thing. I mean, I'll tell you, when I got my equity card, it was understudying uh, this play called The Moonlight Room at the Beckett Theater on Theater Row. Wow. So it was like, you know, 300 bucks a week or something. Yeah. Understudying this play. And it was the first time I'd gotten like a paid gig for theater. Wow. And I like fully like broke down yeah. and like cried. It was like, it was just like this step that I had, I had, I had achieved. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was so meaningful and powerful to me 
to do that. Yeah. You know? And it's weird. You would think they're like, oh, you know, I did I remember when I got the call that I was gonna be in this Broadway show. And I was like, I'm going on Broadway. But that didn't yeah. trump that didn't beat getting the understudy part. Yeah. For some reason. Oh man. Because it's like when you need those things. So you know? beautiful. So yeah. I forgot what I was talking about, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious to ask you because you know every actor listening right now is eager to get their first co-star credit, right. and everyone knows like Law and Orders, the stripes as New York actors earn, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you've seen tons of actors that are green and some that are good, but you know for things that are under five lines, what have you noticed? You know, in all your 150 episodes that make for not only a good co-star audition but a good co-star performance. Um. You got to be easy with all the other actors. Like again, like so strange. If if you're taking it very seriously, that's great. Yeah. But you have to be able to like, <laughs> like model. Like, oh, I can go. What, oh, you want to go again? Okay. Oh, well, yeah. F- ups and actors gonna crack jokes. Here's what I wish people had told me when I was starting in on this, because you get your. Let's say you get the part. Great. And you're doing your, you're looking at your, your sides and the, your big scene the next day and you're in your room and you've got like, you know, Bell and Sebastian playing <laughs> and candles lit. Doing your sense memory. And you're like, like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, do it, you know? Yeah. And that's a good way to work and get into it, whatever you need to do. But you should really be preparing, imagining the worst circumstances. So imagine, You've got you're you're you've got a cold, yeah. And also, it you're so tired because you're going to do that scene at five in the morning, yeah. And imagine that there's like a camera literally three inches in front of your face, and that there's forty dudes, uh, and 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 women walking around behind you, setting up lights and doing this, yeah. And some people are, aren't even paying attention to what you're saying, yeah. and you know what I mean, like. Prepare yourself for the least creative circumstances right. when you go into that. Of course. Because that's most likely what they're going to be. Yeah. Probably going to have to wait around all day and then they're going to be like, we're at lunch. And then you're like, all right, oh, I don't know how much long I'm going to have to go. And you'll eat a big burrito and then you'll be like burping burritos. They're like, all right, yeah. it's time for you to do that scene about your father dying. Like, yeah. well, excuse me. That's how it's going to go. Like, you know, but you just got to be so prepared. The best are the ones that just come in and can be improvisational and I don't mean making up their own lines yeah. but like can just go with it. And I think it's instantly clocked by the you know, the other actors and the regulars like – you know, and we talk about it. I don't want to yeah. say it but like you go like they're killing it. They're yeah. amazing. You know That's what I mean? That's great. Yeah. Like we got to bring them back. And You know what I mean? And like again, that might happen in 10 years yeah. but it could be. That you come back as a series regular, you know what I mean? Right. And because you're such an excellent actor and you're so great at this, and I see a lot of actors struggle with this, is like procedural dialogue. It can be right. so tough because it's exposition, information, information, information. How do you find truth in that? And when you're relaying, you know, uh, we gotta, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. yeah. No, it's it's hard. Like I call them sometimes they're information dumps, and that's when you come in. Like you interrupt a scene with like the breaking news yeah. and it's literally, you know, like a half page of, you know, Albany PD found a yeah. – And it's it, – it's, it's strange because in a way you have to know the text really well, right? 
But if you know it too well, then you become a robot. Yeah. So there's this sweet spot that you really kind of have to hit. And I find what makes it best for me is to know what I'm saying, but then also you got to have like a point of view. Yeah. And that could be just a slight point of view, a minor point of view. About how you feel. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, or what is like the, the sense here? Is it, is it urgent? But it, it is tough that, that stuff that's, you know, the setup for kind of the more emotional dramatic scenes. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? But you still gotta have a point of view and there's still a re, you know, or if you're listening to somebody give information to you, you know, you have a point of view on that. You have a point of view on everything that's being said, you know? So really kind of, you really have to get down to the listening and responding. And remember, which is so hard to do, you know, you're hearing it for the yeah, first time, right? you know, but you really have to like, you really have to, the principles and the fundamentals of, of acting to, mm. to, to, to do that stuff, you know, it, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, and you get pretty good at it. Yeah. You get pretty good at it. Yeah. Too, yeah. You you're know? a master. And you know? a couple of final questions. Uh, Peter, what, what's inspiring you right now? What do you mean, like creatively, music? You know, like what, what, what's keeping you motivated? <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking to a friend about this. I was like, I haven't seen a movie in forever. No way. Like, I'm just so swamped with the kids. Yeah. But um, I saw, I did go. You know, one day I was like, you know, I'm gonna go. I dropped the kids off at school, and yeah. I didn't have work that day. And I said, I'm gonna go see. Uh, 11 a.m. showing of the Joker. Did you? And I did. And I felt like that movie like had me thinking about Joaquin Phoenix's performance yeah. for days and maybe even weeks. So that was totally inspiring. Yeah. To see what he did in that in that movie. Yeah. Um you know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure he's probably a pretty strange guy, but yeah. if that's if that's what gets you there, you know what I, I mean? Know. It's like one of these. I was, it's one of these. You know, you have like a lot of, um, and there was definitely a place for that where you have, you know, like De Niro and, and Pacino, and it's just super and like Brando. It's just super naturalistic acting. It's so real. It's like, yeah. oh my god, this is so real. So scary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, great. And that was. You know, thing, but then you kind of go into this other thing that like Daniel Day Lewis does a lot of, and I think Joaquin Phoenix does this too, especially in Joker, where it's, eh, I don't really need to be naturalistic. Yeah. I want to be truthful as hell though, and I'm going to be bigger. I'm going to be Greek. Yeah. I'm going to be like a bigger expression yeah. of humanity than realism or naturalism totally. will allow. So, you, you know, with Daniel Day Lewis, you see, and there will be blood. Not California. Yeah. <laughs> I'm milkshake. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's kind of like. It's such a great. Yeah, yeah but it's, yeah. it's not, it's not hammy. It's, it's bigger than life. Yeah. It's Greek, but yeah. it's fucking 100% truthful. Totally. So if you do that and you're not. 100% truthful, yeah. then you're a ham. Then yeah. you're overacting. But if you can go that big and find that balance real though, it's great. And I felt like, you know, he, he did that. Yeah. Like it was this beautiful artistic performance. Wow. Um, so that was, that was, that was inspiring. Um, 
What else? Started watching that show, Succession. It's just cool. Yeah. Like, when you're on a show, you get in your own like show thing. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. This is such Has it ruined shows for you in a way? Being on one, like you look at every like, oh god, that shot was, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't watch myself at all anymore. I like see oh. so much. <laughs> Literally, when you see like that much of yourself, you're just like, all yeah. you focus on is the bad stuff, and it gets to the point where like, if I see my face. <laughs> on, on TV, <laughs> I want to punch the TV. <laughs> like, look at that weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good thing our show is sponsored by CBD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Thank you, kind farms. That's awesome, man. And then yeah. I'm curious. You know, I, I loved you and mutual friends. Like, you, I know you have a, a huge commitment on this show, but you know, what what is it, the future looking like for maybe films or going back to Broadway? Any hope of that? I mean, with the show going. I don't think there's there's much time for that. So if you wanted to do a play, like the time it takes to rehearse, preview, open and close a play is more yeah. than two Six months. Six months, yeah. And then when we're filming, the schedule is so unpredictable. You can't be like, I need to be done every night by 7 so yeah. I can get to the theater by 7.30. Especially in this city, logistically, all the things. I need those off the matinees. So that doesn't work. And then in terms of doing work during the hiatus, you know, I've got three amazing kids and this is a very formative time for them yeah so i couldn't justify to them or to my my wife who no. would just say F- that <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> hey, going to like montana to do this cool yeah. indie for six weeks yeah. but i'll be back you know i i just yeah. don't think that would work right now um for us but that being said you know if it was something amazing and my wife is definitely sensitive to if i were like this is something this, this is really important to do. me yeah it would be I, – I would do it. But it, it would just have to be something that I, I feel like I would look back you know, on my deathbed and not be like, oh, man, I'm glad like I, yeah. I didn't spend time with my kids. Or, right. I'm really no. glad I did that. You I know respect what I mean? the hell out of that. Yeah. And that's great. You know? Yeah. It would suck if it was something that like – you know, I'm sure you know. You, you do some – you do stuff and yeah. like – it like n- – it's never – it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't even get edited. It yeah. doesn't like – you know, I did this one movie – Years ago, shot it for like a month in Texas and never never seen it. <laughs> there, there was no cut. Yeah. There was no cut. And I should have had an inkling that there was not going to be a cut when like – I remember like they sent us home and I was like, don't we have these like four pretty important scenes to still shoot? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, a, just go home. <laughs> All right. And and man, your interview has been so beautiful and insightful. But uh, I got to ask for the for those actors out there that are struggling and maybe don't have that agent yet and are doing the backstage thing or you know are at that place where they're getting kind of angry with you know even the auditions they're not booking. Any parting words, wisdom, advice? <sighs> I mean, it's just going to sound kind of cliche, but you know you gotta. This this is this is a, a marathon. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you gotta just like keep plugging away and you you've gotta have faith in yourself. Don't delude yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? I always thought it was strange actors that aren't good that love acting so much because like you've got to know. Yeah. Like because, a violin player would know that they're hitting well, the wrong. But, but I mean like yeah. what makes a good actor is a truthful experience. What yeah. makes a bad actor is when you can see someone's not having an experience but they're gesticulating in a way that they show. But what's pleasurable about being an actor is having those magical moments where you're like, holy shit. Yeah. That was just like a real thing that happened. But this is a f-ing script. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
And when people don't have that, so like be in it for the right reasons, which are that you get this is expressive for you. Yeah. Not fame and a party of yeah. Oak. <laughs> yeah. Or that you just yeah. even like the idea of being an actor. I mean, yeah. it's, there's so many different people in this business, yeah. but you got to be that type of person. If you are that type of person, then you've got to just like keep plugging away because at some point, like it will align yeah. and it might not be that you're going to have the career that you thought. But there is, you know, there's room for everybody in this business. Yeah, you're going to find other things. Your your interests will change as well. Yeah, you make oh, there's that thing too. Oh, you know, then I got into this. Yeah. Like, you, somebody starts producing, you start directing. You oh, start I did writing. a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's totally yeah, it's totally like that. You never know where it's going to go, and it's really unpredictable. And you know, you may not think there's anybody that thinks you're good or you don't have any supporters, yeah. but I I guarantee you, you do. Yeah. You know, there's, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it happens slow. Well, Peter Scanavino, man, I'm such a huge fan of yours, and wow, you're such a great guy. And <laughs> thank you for being so giving, and and I have no doubt in the world that that Joker script's going to come your way, uh, and then I'm going to have you back, and we're going to talk about <laughs> going bigger than yeah. life. Well, great. All right. Thanks, man. Much Thanks. love, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. <laughs>